0: I don't know what is happening to me. All I know is that it is happening. Tuesday on The CW. Are you a superhero? Superheroes aren't real. What if they are? It's the incredible new series from Ava DuVernay. You have power I have never felt before. This is real, whether you believe it or not. I just want to be normal. You're not normal. You, Naomi McDuffie, are exceptional. Naomi, the can't-miss series premiere, Tuesday on The CW. Tuesday at 9, only on DCW 50, Washington CW. Welcome to the Barker Podcast Collection. me when her secret finds its way out it will be the death of you you can imagine why i've come back to play there's a young lady in santiago i want you to meet you're late when you're ready salute i met your new double o she's a disarming young woman i get why you shot him Everyone tries at least once james bond we both eradicate people to make the world a better place i just want to be a little tidier Nope. Harder to tell the good from bad, villains from heroes these days. What is it? You don't know what this is. He's going to kill millions. If we don't do this, there will be nothing left to save. Welcome to the Not Watching Podcast. My name's Rob Howard, and today it's just me, uh, sadly. Uh, Marcus has gone and buggered his leg up, so uh, yeah. And I, it's just at too short notice for me to get anyone else involved. So yeah, it's just me. Um, uh, normally I'd just postpone the show, but there's just been so much going on. Uh, so many things that I have watched that I just, I just think if we... Try and delay it any further. Um, It's just going to (laughs) be hopelessly out of date. And I just think um, there'll just be even more shit to talk about. Because looking at the cinema schedule at the moment, there's really no letting up. Uh, Pretty much every week now we're looking at major releases. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to have to go it alone this time. um, It won't be a very long show Just bear with me and, uh, yeah, I'll get on with it. Uh, So, without further ado, uh, we'll start off with some movies. And probably the big movie of the moment, or the most relevant one to talk about, certainly, would be the latest James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which I saw a couple of nights ago at the uh, Everyman Cinema in Chelmsford. It was sold out, unsurprisingly, Uh, no chance of getting in there anytime soon, Um, which is good, you know, after months and months of COVID scares and all these regulations, it's nice to see the cinema uh, packed. Obviously, the everyman, um, it's all sofas there and stuff. So there's a nice amount of space between you all. Um, But yeah. Uh, So anyway, yeah, No Time to Die. Uh, It's the final outing for Daniel Craig as James Bond. Um, So there's quite a lot riding on this. Um, I've always liked Daniel Craig in the role. I think he's definitely one of the more uh, sort of tougher, kind of more emotional takes on the character, his portrayal. Um, I'm, you know, obviously Connery's king. Moore has his place in that sort of funny sort of camp era of Bond. Um, but I've always had a special place for the Lazenby, Dalton, Craig streak. Brosnan was okay too, but again, very much uh, other than GoldenEye perhaps, being a bit more of a straight action film. Uh, he did His films did kind of end up falling into that similar sort of parody that, that the Moore films did. Uh, eventually, so yeah, I've I recently rewatched all the Craig films on uh, Ultra HD Blu Ray, um, and it, I was reminded by just how coherent they are. Um, that th- you could argue that they, you know, that the films have been of varying quality. Obviously, Casino Royale in two thousand and six was a barnstorming uh, reboot of the character. Uh, Quantum of Solace was an unfortunate victim of the writer's strike. Uh, the series got back on form uh, with uh, Sam Mendes taking the reins with Skyfall. And again, uh, he came back for Spectre, which some people have criticised, but I think only because it was trying sort of quite hard to kind of get back to the old style of Bond. Um, which seems to have been the purpose for this series as it's gone on, despite kind of starting off on quite an edgy sort of gritty foot. Um, the It seems like the, sh- the the series has definitely been trying to get back to its Bond roots, and that continues in No Time to Die. Now, this film was originally supposed to come out in April of 2020 last year, but obviously shit happened. Um <laughs> And so they did. And then I think it was delayed to September and then again earlier this year. But then again, they pushed it. So this is about the third time they pushed they pushed the movie. And um, finally, it's out. Um, This one, uh, again, is written by the familiar duo of Purvis and Wade, although it's had some help this time by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who you may know from Fleabag. And uh, and and is directed this time by Kari Joji Fukunaga, who you might remember from such films as Beast of No Nation and uh, the Netflix series Maniac and the HBO series True Detective, the first series of that. So, yeah, I don't know whether it's particularly a showcase for the director, but it's certainly a showcase for Bond. And as I said before, yeah, it it looks like... That, you know, that, that, that if if Spectre was like the return of the gadgets, I would say no time to die is a return of the quips. For there are many witticisms throughout this uh, film's generous two hours and 40 odd minutes running time. Um, indeed, like, yeah, they definitely want to put a lot into this film. And I think for the most part, it succeeds. There's some brilliant action sequences. And uh, a through line uh, that picks up pretty much straight after Spectre. And so many of the characters and villains from that are present here. Where does it sit within the Craig canon? I guess it probably doesn't quite hit the heights of uh, Casino Royale or Skyfall, but it's certainly better than the other films in uh, Craig's tenure. Um... It goes to places no other Bond has, and deservedly so. It's a fine send-off for Craig. There are stakes. And and I'm really just left thinking, I don't know where they go with the series next. Um, I think, like, uh, I felt similarly to how I felt at the end of the Dark Knight trilogy, um, in that I be i will be very surprised if i am ever as invested in this character or series of films ever again i almost quite want them to go maybe just do something silly go off the rails it's about time they went you know they had that sort of more brosnan silliness again maybe do that for a bit and then come back to it but i'm i mean i it's taken me almost a decade to get used to the idea of another uh, actor playing Batman. Um, not that I thought uh, Affleck was bad, Batman. I just didn't like the films he was in. So yeah, whether or not they can find the right guy guy to play Bond um, is uh, you know entirely independent of whether those films are actually any good. So you know who knows. Chris Nolan has almost made Bond films through most of his career. But I'd love to see him do an actual Bond movie, um, and paired with Tom Hardy is just probably too obvious to ever be a reality. But um, yeah, I, uh, I I'll be interested to see what they do in the future. For now, I'm just gonna treasure these five films, the arc that they that they go on, and uh, and yeah, I'd just look forward to spending more time rewatching them once No Time to Die arrives on Blu-ray. Which I imagine might even be before Christmas. But we'll see. On to other things. um, Probably the the other most major uh, release that I've seen. uh, Also at the cinema is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Which is the latest Marvel movie. And... So yeah, this one uh concerns uh our title character, Shang Shu, or known as Sean. And he's just been working as like a car parking attendant in, in in the city, and he's suddenly uh forced to confront his past uh and his father and, and this legend of, of the Ten Rings uh and the organization around it. Um and event, eventually ends up making his way back to uh to his homeland it's it's a it's a fairly convoluted premise i guess but um what's really notable uh is that it has some very awesome uh martial arts based set pieces in fact the entire creative team uh are of asian descent uh which is perfect really for uh for for the subject matter here Ben Kingsley makes a amusing reappearance uh, with his character Trevor Slattery, who you may remember from Iron Man 3, which uh was a film that was criticised for the use of its villain. Um and in many ways this um this film is a apology for that, um actually. He hangs around a lot longer in the film than I expected he would, but adds some much-needed comic relief to the proceedings. Um, we also see a few other characters pop up from other parts of the Marvel MCU, as you might expect. But um, yeah, uh, they don't make as quite—they don't make such an impression, as it were. Yeah, it's another in a long line of Marvel movies. Um, business as usual, but yeah, this is one of the better, um, origin stories, uh, of the franchise so far, I would say. Also from Disney comes Free Guy, which just arrived on Disney plus, uh, last week in time for the weekend where, when I watched it and this stars Ryan Reynolds as an NPC in a video game, uh, like an open world video game. Uh, and suddenly becomes self, and he suddenly becomes self-aware um, after bumping into a certain player character played by Jodie Coma, who you might remember from Killing Eve, and who seems to now be cast in everything. She is really blowing up in a major way. So the thing about Free Guy is, I just kind of my overriding feeling about it was that it just felt like a film that was specifically created for me. Uh, I'm a big-time gamer, so even parts of the background action were making me chuckle. And um, and there's a really awesome scene quite near the end, which I won't spoil, but suffice it to say, demonstrates the power that Disney have now owning all of the studios that they do. <laughs> um yeah, no, I really enjoyed Free Guy. It's it's fairly far away, but it, it it's just it's just a real great laugh, and um, yeah, I can't deny it's probably one of the most fun films I've seen so far this year. Meanwhile, on Amazon, uh, The Green Knight finally was released. It's also in theaters, but uh, went straight onto Prime in the UK for some reason, um, and this stars dev patel and um, is directed by david lowry the thing about this film is it's 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 based on a kind of arthurian legend and essentially there's not that much plot to it i've heard stories that this film is very slow i don't entirely agree with that um but it's shot in such an interesting way and um it brought to mind almost like willow i think that was one of his inspirations actually but also like oh, it's just got this real sort of like fairy tale vibe to it it's almost like some of those sort of european uh fantasy films you may have seen and um yeah so anyway this 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 is like a retelling of the medieval story of sir gawain uh pronunciation of that is up to interpretation i've heard but yeah essentially the green knight arrives at king arthur's court and basically he says any any challenge he challenges anyone to strike him down um on the condition that he is allowed to strike them down a year later um so gawain volunteers um in a, in a sort of means to sort of prove himself he's He's a bit of a wastrel and a drunk and a womanizer. And um, I think he just wants to elevate his station in the in, in the king's court. Um, so anyway, he goes for it. But then, yeah, uh, sure enough, a year later, um, he is tasked with, you know, um, honoring his uh, The Gambit and setting off to meet the Green Knight and therefore his fate. Um, yeah, it's just a gorgeously shot film. Um, I have I just can't really. I can't really think of anything like it that I've seen in recent times. It's just station above the level of artistry going on here. The subtlety of it all, the the ambiguousness, the look of it. It's just outrageously beautiful. And is will probably feature in my films of the year this year. Next up, we've got The Many Saints of Newark, which is like... Uh, a prequel movie to The Sopranos. It actually stars um, Michael Gandolfini, who is the real-life son of James Gandolfini, who played the same character in The Sopranos. We've also got various uh, younger versions of all the other characters that were in The Sopranos. And uh, honestly, this film... um, as much as it is a standalone story that could be appreciated by anyone, the real joy of it comes from uh, it having knowledge of the show that it precedes. Um, it, in the screening I was in, there were many, many um, laughs and stuff at all the little in jokes. Um, it really is like, um, yeah, it really, it really is a treat for the, for, for fans of the show. And um, yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't rush to see it otherwise. I wouldn't say it would, you can like, you know, pretty much inflate the uh, the score of the film based on your familiarity with The Sopranos. Um, but yeah, it, essentially uh, it, it's more concerned with the character Dickie Moltisanti, who was like Tony Soprano's uncle and their relationship it's a long time since I've seen The Sopranos show, uh, but apparently he's referred to many, many times. And so we finally get to uh, get to meet him and understand some of Tony Soprano's origin story. Um, it stars John Burnfall, Ray Liotta, Corey Stoll shows up as um, Junior. It's a really good cast, and... Um, yeah, I would definitely check it out if you're a fan of the show. Okay, next up we've got Coda, which uh, is a film on Apple TV Plus, which concerns, um, well, a Coda, which Coda is like an acronym for a child of deaf adults, um, and yeah, the character of Ruby, played by Amelia Jones, all she wants to do is sing, but her family are deaf, and they all like they're like fishing family, and they just. Um, yeah, they just can't really appreciate what her sort of passion is. Um, and and there's kind of like this dependency they have on her to sort of stay with the, and work with the family and their business. Um, it's a really beautiful film. Uh, it was apparently like uh, won loads of awards at Sundance and was like the subject of a massive bidding war between various streaming platforms and studios. Eventually, Apple got it. Uh, of course, they did um and yeah it's it popped up on there the other day i'd, I'd really uh, recommend checking it out if you're one of the like four people subscribing to apple tv plus but seriously i will get into it in more detail why you should be subscribing to that and i'm not an apple fanboy i promise you uh then we've got the father which stars anthony hopkins who won an oscar for his role um as a film it's quite slight but his performance is incredible uh it really is um it does some really interesting things i mean it's basically about him sort of descending into uh dementia sort of alzheimer's and and kind of how he deals with that uh and 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 the way that it's shot it it it's very disorientating it does a good job of kind of Uh, sort of simulating that for for the viewer Um, and you really kind of appreciate what he's going through Uh, it co-stars Olivia Colman Mark Gettys, Olivia Williams Imogen Poots, Rufus Sewell Um, but it's really like a chamber piece you know it just takes place in different rooms and whatnot. Um, yeah no really 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 great movie obviously worthy of all the plaudits it earned Um, then we've got Cruella which uh, recently arrived on Disney Plus. It's Emma Stone as Cruella here, and it's an origin story. It's a bit long. It's a bit long, but it, but it, but it's pretty decent. Emma Thompson is like her nemesis, uh, and she's always good value as ever. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Uh, they, apparently, they've greenlit a sequel, so uh, it 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 was it did the it did the job, and. Um, yeah, well, that will be coming out soon. So, yeah, Cruella on Disney Plus. I'm rattling through some of these now because I, I'm. It's quite hard to do this without anyone to bounce off, but I will carry on. Um, Werewolves Within uh, is a game. Is a game. Is it is a game. Um, and this film is based on it. Um, the game, I believe, is kind of based on an old board game where it's all about kind of figuring out who the villain is. Um, and this film sort of, it it kind of plays with that idea where what someone's a werewolf and who is it? And you're basically sort of constantly trying to sort of guess who it is. It's got quite a sort of like jolly, uh, humorous sort of comedy angle. It's, it's not that grim, although grimness is implied. There is quite a lot of murder and death in it, obviously. And, um, yeah, it's 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 not a bad little, uh, little little adaptation of of a video game. It's kind of the weirdest thing that you know, um, such an obscure uh, adaptation can end up being one of the more successful video game movies. Very weird. Anyway, uh, I also saw the new Candyman. Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you, I I had had a few shandies when I watched it, but honestly, it's I wasn't too impressed, to be honest with you. Um, it's really got an axe to grind. It's all about its agenda. It's very slowly paced. yeah, uh, Abdul-Mateen is fine. He's great in it. But I just feel like the message gets muddled and I'm not alone in thinking that. So there we go. And finally the last film I wanted to mention is called The Guilty starring Jake Gyllenhaal which recently turned up on Netflix and he is working on like a, a police dispatch desk and he gets a phone call from a woman who appears to be kidnapped and there are various twists and turns but effectively it's just him in the uh, in 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 the dispatch sort of office on the phone uh recall Maybe a bit like phone booth, maybe. But all the drama is basically on with the phone calls that are being made. So it requires a, a fair amount of imagination on the part of the viewer. Um I, I think... I mean, there were times where I was, like, looking away from the screen, like maybe at my phone, but I was still able to keep track of what was going on. I think this would have perhaps made a, a, a good podcast, but it is a remake of the Danish film Den Skildes. Uh... And yeah, it was Antoine Farquaad who adapted this together with Nick Pizzolatto, who was the writer on True Detective. (laughs) It's all about the True Detective references tonight. (laughs) Okay, so moving on to TV and just a little bit of news. Uh, We had the Emmy Awards winners uh, announced the other night at the ceremony for the Emmys. (laughs) The Crown won big and uh, also uh, Ted Lasso. One big. That that was the big takeaway, I think. Um Hamilton got an award for them putting it on Disney Plus, which was a bit odd. Um but yeah, that was the main takeaway, I'd say. So yeah, Ted Lasso awards all round. It's quite weird actually, Ted Lasso. Uh, I nearly tweeted the other day that it seems to have somehow stealthily transformed from a half an hour sitcom into like an hour-long drama. Um And the subject matter is getting kind of a bit darker now as well. So it can put you through the ring of that show now. Um, But yeah, The Crown, brilliant as well. But yeah, a few other winners, but those were the main ones. Not going to list them all. (laughs) Uh, Another interesting thing that came out was that Netflix finally uh, released some of its stats, listing uh, like their most popular shows. Now, they track things in different ways on Netflix. Sometimes it's literally just like, you know, turning it on for two minutes. But, uh, yeah, no, they also release like, the amount of time spent on, the amount of hours spent viewing these shows from the entire, like, subscriber base. So that one's probably more interesting to look at. So, like, you've got Bridgerton season one at one, then Money Heist part four, Stranger Things three, the Witcher Season 1, and then 13 Reasons Why after that. And then top 10 films, you got Bird Box, Extraction, The Irishman, The Kissing Booth 2. Don't know what that is. Six Underground. But yeah, it kind of gives you an idea. I mean, it's there aren't any huge surprises here. I mean, it's just it's comforting to know that The Witcher is so popular because I ideally want them to make more and more and more of that forever. Um, Sweet Tooth got, got in there in the top 10 series. But that's just like being accessed rather than time spent. So I guess the trailer was good. <laughs> Getting into actual shows, though. Uh, there's only a few here, actually, so I'll keep it brief. But the one thing that I have to mention, and that's why I'm probably one of the main reasons I'm even going ahead with this recording tonight, despite having no one to talk to but the EFA is um C which is a show on Apple TV plus that i believe has been unjustifiably neglected and uh, and and essentially i can understand why um it's 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 a pretty fucked up um concept essentially it's set about 500 years in the future and Pretty much all of humankind has lost the ability of, to see. They can't, there's no sight. And so, uh, into this world are born some, a few, very few children that can see. And so they are vilified, and uh, witch finders are set up to track them down and capture them. By this insane queen, who is uh, slowly going mad in her lair <laughs> somewhere in this world. Meanwhile, uh, Baba Voss is tasked with tr- uh, basically protecting these two twins born from his wife from another man. Um, he's he's tasked with basically protecting them and keeping them safe while they go while they attempt to. Tr- Traverse this world in search of their real life, their biological father. the uh, The thing about this show that's notable is the the sort of creativity or, or just the commitment that they have made to realizing this world and all the kind of consequences of of a world that that existed with no one that could see. So, like the villages have little. Uh, little, little um, strings across them so they can kind of guide where they're going um, the the battles are all done very much with touch um, you know pick that you know someone might pick up a some sand and throw it to get an idea like to sort of echo locate uh, where people are around them it's really cool I caught up on the first season. And uh, I told some friends and my sister about it and they're all hooked now. It's shot really nicely. Oh, yeah, it's written by Stephen Knight, who was the creator of Peaky Blinders. Um, if that makes any difference. Um, but yeah, I watched all of season one and and now uh, I'm kind of watching season two as it arrives. I think there are only two episodes left and it's, it's, it's clearly uh, up the stakes. They brought on some new talent um in the form of uh where is this oh Jonathan Tropper yeah who one of the creators of the show banshee he wrote the finale of season one and also the premiere of season two and I think he's done the finale of season two as well um but yeah that they're, they're up in the stakes that the world building has increased uh the sound the actual intro credits um I don't know how much difference this makes to anyone but it was pretty crappy on season one but they've really like upped it to a sort of game of thrones level in fact you could just say overall they they've upped the entire production of the show up to a far more game of thrones level now um, we're introduced to much bigger cities and uh you know that built around larger uh, elaborate sort of sets um there's they've just spent a ton more money on it i think Uh, and i think it's just apple showing a massive sort of commitment to getting this show where where it needs to be um they've i think there's another third series confirmed um i hope there are more i think it's got the legs for it um but yeah no just some great characters great stories It, it, it it's really yeah it's really kind of i think apple are really positioning this as their game of thrones and for me, it's one of the surprise shows of the year that I've seen, and I just want to shout from the rooftops how awesome this show is. So yeah, that's C on Apple TV Plus. Oh, and they've even added Dave Batista. So if you if you if you if you like seeing, a... oh yeah, sorry, and I, t- I don't even mention. Don't know if I mentioned Jason Momoa plays this Bubba Boss character, um, and he's a total fucking badass. So having two of them. Uh, In it, it's, uh, yeah, (laughs) if you're not fed up from seeing them in the new Dune film, then uh, check them both out here. Uh, The next show I wanted to mention is called The North Water, which stars Colin Farrell and Jack O'Connell, as well as uh, supporting turns from Stephen Graham and a few other familiar faces. Uh, this basically takes place uh, in the, I guess it's the nineteenth century. They're they're a bunch of whalers, and they're they go off on this on this whaling expedition. Um, on board is this character Henry Drax, played by Colin Farrell, who's basically a horrible cunt. He's like a rapist, a murderer, a thief. Ugh, he's just the most terrible person, and. Essentially, it all goes a bit horribly wrong. Um, Yeah, this isn't the happiest show in the world. And, you know, it's quite upsetting, some of it. If you don't like animal cruelty or anything like that, then maybe give this one a miss. But I I quite like that sort of bleak uh, sort of storytelling. It put me in mind of uh, the terror which I think was also on AMC. This is on AMC in the States. It's on BBC iPlayer in the UK. That's where I watched it. Um, Yeah, so I think it's based on a fairly recent book, but set, you know, in that time. But yeah, no, check it out if you uh, fancy some grimness. Uh, Colin Farrell was basically unrecognisable in his role as of Henry Drax. Um, on a happier note, uh, I just wanted to mention the third season of sex education. Now this is a show that I got into, um, over lockdown one, I think. Um, it's something that I'd always had recommended to me, but I just, one of them ones I was just like, you know, I think there was just a lot, I had a massive backlog at the time. So it took me a while to get around to, but yeah, this basically stars Gillian Anderson, um, and Asa Butterfield, who's, who plays her son. And so, She is a sex therapist, and he and another girl at school that he meets, uh, kind of take it upon themselves to start giving sex advice uh, to their fellow pupils at their school. Now, that's just uh, that's really just the sort of kicking off point. After that, really, you just get to know all these characters, and I think I think honestly, uh, the title of the show is almost like um, a bit. Misleading because it's certainly it's more it's a comedy drama really and while sex is definitely on the agenda, there's there's just so much more to this. It's the most like well-meaning and happy show. It it, it's in a similar league to Ted Lasso in 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 that regard, you know. And honestly, uh, I'm so invested with these characters uh, and, and in the most sort of unlikely stories that I would generally think of myself being interested in. So yeah I just can't make, recommend it enough. I I, I I don't want to get into details really, because I don't want to spoil a thing, but honestly, if you're looking for something to cheer you up, um, you can't go far wrong, although I will say i i I was an absolute mess by the end of the season three finale, um, just just unbelievable, just how invested I was with all these characters. You just so root for them, you ship for them, you know. It's it's just uh, it's just incredible the the sort of alchemy of this show. Um, yeah, so definitely check out Sex Education. And finally, I just wanted to uh, mention uh, the new animated show. Oh, there's been so many good animated shows across the different streaming platforms, but yeah, Star Wars Visions um, is an anime take on the star wars my Foss. uh these are all original stories all by different uh japanese studios uh all lending their considerable expertise to these small little vignettes um that tell some new stories in the star wars universe um some of them are a little twee um a little a little bit cute i suppose but some of them are genuinely quite decent and uh just seeing uh, those, that familiar iconography rendered uh, through the the, the the sort of prism of, of the, uh, that, that kind of Japanese animation is something to behold. And uh, yeah, I mean, in many ways brings it back to its roots since uh, Lucas himself was inspired by so much uh, Japanese culture in the first place. Anyway, I think I've droned on for long enough, so I'll leave it there for now. Um, Hopefully, we'll be back to full strength. Marcus himself, hopefully, will be back to full strength for the next episode. Uh, I think there will be one more before the end of the year, before we do our shows and uh, films of the year. Uh, But yeah, in the meantime, thanks for listening to the Not Watching Podcast, part of the Not Listening Podcast Network where you can also find the Not Playing podcast, where we talk about video games, and the Not Listening podcast, where you can hear Adam and co talk about all kinds of nonsensical nonsense. You can email us at notwatchingpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet out or follow us on Twitter at notwatchingpod. You can find the show notes for all our shows at notlistening.co.uk, and if you like what you've heard here, please do leave us a review. Anyway, that's all for now. Until next time, stay safe out there. to me all i know is that it is happening tuesday on the cw are you a superhero superheroes aren't real what if they are it's the incredible new series from ava duvernay you have power i've never felt before this is real whether you believe it or not i just want to be normal you're not normal you naomi mcduffie are exceptional naomi the can't miss series premiere tuesday on the cw tuesday at nine only on dcw 50 washington cw